Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced Life. Today, we are talking about making changes, which only seems appropriate given all of the changes surrounding all of us. So as always, we're going to talk about some of the questions you all have sent in for advice. Before that, we're going to have a little conversation about gender roles, because I don't know about you, Sarah, but being quarantined is substantially shifting how I have viewed my own role inside my marriage and with my children in ways that I think are both fine and not fine with me. Yeah, I think it's like we were ta- we've were we been talking about on the nightly nuance. It is reducing down lots of aspects of the personality, aspects of the relationship, aspects of caregiving and housekeeping. And providing clarity to those roles, for sure. What are you noticing? So my marriage has always been progressive, I guess, in terms of gender roles. When we first got married, I was a practicing lawyer. So I worked the really long hours while Chad worked from home or was traveling for his job. He had a ton more flexibility than I did at that point in my career. You know, I made more money at that time. And He did a lot around the house and still does. He still does a ton around the house. Chad can cook. Chad cleans. He does pretty much everything outside. But what I am noticing, especially around parenting during quarantine, is that even though we've always had really, you know, we've been a dual career house always, I really am the default to create plans for what our day is going to look like with the kids, to take care of the kids. I find myself adjusting my schedule to kind of what works best for Chad's work schedule. It feels to me like we're going in this direction of more traditional gender roles. And I just have feelings about it. Do you think some of this is about the gender of your children? That's a good question. I I don't know. I, I think... My instinct is no, but I've never had boys, so I don't know. (laughs) Well, here is the thing about my marriage. So mine actually is the opposite. Most of our first 15 years of marriage, we were a single income household or a greatly disproportionate double income household. So when we lived in D.C., Nicholas, obviously, as a corporate attorney, made so much more money than me. First, because I was in law school and then because I was just working on the Hill. We came back to Paducah. I didn't work full-time, honestly, until the podcast. So for probably, you know, six years, um, I was basically the, I wouldn't say I was the primary caregiver, but I was, you know, the, because we still had a really equal share of parenting when he was home, but I mean, I was still this like sort of a stay-at-home parent. 
And so I did a lot of that, especially there's just so much of that when they're little, too, with between breastfeeding and everything else that can't just be split even Stephen down the middle. Although, you know, we did a really good job. Nicholas, even when he went back to work almost immediately, would get up with the babies every night and bring them to me to breastfeed. There was never like, oh, he needs his sleep because he's going to work because I was also going to work. My child was just taking care of an infant. So we've always had that. The biggest thing that's like the big equalizer in our share of labor, and I have to just keep my eye on the prize, is I don't cook ever. My husband cooks. So that is, and he does the grocery shopping and the like, what do we need, making a list, doing all the things. So that's just a huge proportion of the labor. I have to remind myself when I'm picking up a room for the 1500th time that I don't have to make lunch or dinner, especially right now in quarantine. So much cooking and feeding of the people. And so that is just a really good like objective equalizer because that is a huge portion of the labor. We did have a fun equalizing moment last night because I I mean, I think part of the reason I do a lot of the picking up is just I like it cleaner. I'm a highly sensitive person. I don't like a lot of clutter. My husband is a slob. I say that with love in my heart. He will acknowledge he is a slob. He's a messy person. And so it just matters more to me. But I definitely do a disproportionate share of that. I do a, like you said, a disproportionate share of the like, the planning, the, you know, today is such and such day, let's do this. But again, that's because I like, I like it. I don't really want to give that up, even though it is a lot of labor sometimes. But otherwise, there's always this moment, we usually pay someone to clean our house. And every time my husband is like, why does it take so long? And I'm like, because it takes a long time to clean a house. So uh, obviously, our person cannot come right now. So I said, we're gonna have to clean the house. And he's like, okay, I'm just gonna do the kitchen because that's a huge part of the job. So I'll just do it. So he's like, I'm gonna do it tomorrow night, like at eight o'clock. I'm like, okay, 11 o'clock rolls around. <laughs> he's finally done. And he's like, okay, I will never say anything again about how long it takes to clean a house. I'm like, yeah, it takes a long time. You don't understand until you have to do it yourself. Like it just, it's a lot, especially a big house like ours. So I think that was a good clarity moment as far as division of labor. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I'm not upset about anything, and I don't feel like we're contributing unequally. I just feel myself sliding into much more traditionally feminine roles, and I'm sort of mm. struggling with what that means. I, I do enjoy the school planning most of the time. I don't mind the cooking, which I do I do most of. Chad does some too, though. I spent all day Saturday cleaning the kitchen, like in a spring cleaning sense. I cleaned mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. oven. I scrubbed the oven out. I took our trash cans outside and hosed them down and scrubbed them. You know, just things right. that you don't typically do. The track for the sliding glass door. And mm -hmm, it was all mm -hmm. day. It was all day just in the kitchen. <laughs> and it's so true that just some of those jobs take longer than anyone appreciates. You know, I think another thing about quarantine is you just kind of 
every day reinforces, wow, there is so much work to be done just in sustaining a household that we have so undervalued as a society. And the other thing that I'm kind of wrestling with, you know, Chad always does our grocery shopping. Sunday mornings, I take the girls to church. Chad goes to the grocery. It works great for us. Now, Chad goes to the grocery still, but that is the only time to really be away from the house, right, to go to the grocery mm. store. And we we know it's best for just one person to be doing that. And so I feel like we're in sort of this hunter-gatherer space that I don't like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We had a moment where we were like, well, I'm at risk because men are more at risk at coronavirus. They're like, well, I'm less at risk, so I should do it. So I took two trips, and then we just decided because it's like – We're creeping up on peak and they're like, don't go if you can avoid it. So we've secured some of the delivery times. So we're doing that right now. But I totally agree. And, and, you know, it's just hard because sometimes it's like, and this is true of all gender role stuff. Is it gender roles or is it personality differences? Like, you know, it makes me feel like it is a stress management technique for me to like spring clean like that. Like it. Now, I didn't want to do the kitchen because that. I've already organized the drawers. <laughs> I want to do the unfun part, like mopping the, mopping the floors. But I did that with our laundry room. And I don't really want to share that load because I like doing it. He won't do it to suit me. And so it's like it's hard to decide, like, well, am I doing this because I like it and it calms me down and I and it feels like like it's it's a fun task? Or is it because, you know, the patriarchy told me I should enjoy it. I think that's what's hard too. And especially if it's, if the task involves exiting the house. I mean, we usually have enough, like I'm dropping some books off my friend wants to borrow at her house on her porch. Like there's a little bit of an opportunity to get out and do some stuff. Is that literally the only thing y'all are doing? Yeah. I mean, there's just not, I mean, we, we can take a walk in the neighborhood. We've got our backyard that we play in, but there's just not. You could also a just go of- for a drive. Dang. Yeah, and I have, and Chad has said to me a couple times, do you want to just get out and go for a drive? And that sounds lovely. And also in the few minutes that I could be doing that, I need to do work. You know what I mean? Because I just don't have enough time to like get through all of my work in the day with managing the kids. So it's just a, it's a weird time. I think the most important thing is that we keep paying attention to it and talking about it. And I Mm -hmm. am talking about it with Chad as it comes up for me. I'm trying to not let it like build up to the point where I feel like I'm going to lose my mind, but have conversations as they come up about, here's the thing I'm noticing. This makes me a little uncomfortable. I could use some help here. It's just tricky. And I know it's tricky for him too. Yeah, it is hard. And I think, you know, there's also this this situation of it's not like every single time we agree on like how to handle the grocery stores or what the kids should be doing during science class or whatever the case may be. Like there's an because our personalities are different, because our approaches are different, like inevitably there's some sort of conflict. And if that conflict bumps up against the person doing more labor surrounding that issue at conflict, then it's just a, it's a stinking powder keg. I think that's right. I mean, Definitely Chad cares more than I do about how much the girls are watching TV. But I kind of feel like that's because I know that I planned a good three hours of stuff for them to do in the morning. And in the afternoon, I just can't care anymore. I've got to get my work done. Mm -hmm. And if they're watching TV during part of that time, then they are. It's fine. Yeah. I think it's those stealth expectations that Brene Brown always talks about. And so now you have everybody's stealth expectations about parenting, housework, coronavirus prevention, 
parenting. Did I say parenting? Parenting mm-hmm. housework. But it deserves work. two mentions because that's a big one. Yeah. Because <laughs> so it's parenting housework, quarantine prevention, and your actual work. Right. That's a lot of things all it's at once. a lot of things. And then if you layer on top of all that, this sort of sense for those of us who are lucky enough to be able to stay at home, to continue working from home so that we don't have economic panic yet, then then on top of all of it is this sense of we should really be cherishing this time we have together as a family. <laughs> it will not come around like this again. And while there is truth in that, there is also just incredible privilege and ridiculousness in it and and a, a, a heaviness of expectation that I'm just not sure I'm up for carrying right now. We will be right back after this short message from our sponsor. When it's difficult to visit people we love, grandparents, siblings, nieces and nephews, a skylight frame is a beautiful way to stay in touch. It's a touchscreen photo frame where you can email photos to your loved ones. They appear in seconds and we can all feel a little more connected. In these difficult times, staying in touch with those we love seems more important than ever. And the easiest way to do it is with Skylight, a photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. It's a great way to feel close to those you love, even when you're separated. Multiple people can send photos to the same frame, so it's a great way to keep large networks of friends and families in touch, and it sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Just plug in, use the touchscreen to connect your wireless network, and enjoy. Everyone in your family can just email photos to Mom Skylight, and they'll pop up in our home in seconds. It has a black frame, and it looks like a real photo frame and adds a beautiful touch to your home. They have a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen and you can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent the photo. It is 100% satisfaction guaranteed and if you don't love your skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. Now, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code LIFE. That's right, to get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code LIFE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code L-I-F-E. So we have gotten several advice questions about potential career changes in the midst of the coronavirus. This is an, as we are often talking about, sort of an accelerant, a clarifying moment for lots of people facing jobs they love, jobs they want to leave, career changes. And so we're going to try to tackle some of those today. And I'm going to have try to have something to contribute because I feel like this is really best area of expertise. Well, I'm not sure that, you know, career decisions are anybody's area of expertise, especially when the world is changing as fast as it is. But let's talk about who wrote in and what the specific issues are. So Allison shared that the way her company is managing this crisis really shows a philosophy about people that doesn't feel good to her. And they've they've kind of said, hey, everybody, we need you to step up and show your value. Um, because Jeez. probably we're not going to be able to keep everyone, so you need to you need to get with it. And nice. this isn't the first time she has seen this in her job, and she's wondering, is this a sign that I need to move on? And then we had two questions that I think are a little bit related from 
Yomi and Emily, both of them are moving into a a new season in life, looking at the economy differently and thinking about how they can be more involved in their communities and, and wanting to know, like, should I do more schooling? How do I balance, as Emily said, the, the factors of skill versus passion versus interest versus salary? What would prepare me to serve on city council? Yomi is thinking about working in public office eventually as well. So we have like a soup of possibilities in front of Allison, Yomi, and Emily. And they're wondering what we think about this. And so Sarah, I thought it might be nice to start with that public office question since you have served. I feel like you're a great person to give people thoughts on what mix of skills and interests and qualifications can take you down that path. Yeah, I'd always wanted to run for office. It's not particularly common among women or at least easily articulated, but it was something I'd always wanted to do. It felt like a good mix of the things that I really enjoy doing. I love people. I love policy and seeing how that can get everybody closer to where they need to be, depending on their their spot in society. I loved my town, still do love my town, and I felt really passionate about moving back to Paducah and investing in the community and making it the best it could be. Um, I also like marketing, which is basically what campaigns are. I like the idea of sort of putting together a story and telling it and communicating people to people through lots of different venues and like sort of creating that message and repeating it and really um, hitting home with people. So I think all those different aspects of running really appeal to me. I I enjoyed the door knocking. I know that's not a common reaction, but I really liked knocking on doors and meeting people and hearing about people's concerns. I think where I, what I realized is, I, I don't know, I don't think this would be true everywhere. I think if I had been in a space where I was not sort of the minority party, this would have been a better fit for me. But I'm like, I always tell people when I when I join a new board of directors or a new organization, like ideas are my love language. What I really like to do is to come into a place and say, okay, here's a here are th- you know the three different three million different ways I see that we could be doing things different, and in local politics, like. You got to spend a lot of time earning people's trust and convincing people that you are really there for the right reasons and building relationships. And again, I think if I had not been the minority party, that would have been an easier task for me to just sort of put in the work to really build that up. But because I was the minority party, even though it's a nonpartisan race, and because it was a two-year term, I felt really sort of uh, held back in a way. And so I didn't get to see the sort of full expression of bringing that. I love ideas. Let's see how we can make things better. That's how we can improve things. I think our mayor, who has a four-year term, is a close friend of mine and also a young woman, has had a better experience with that. So I think, but, you know, every office, every community is so different. The best thing you can do if you're thinking about running for office is just talk to somebody who served in that position before and say, this is what I love. This is what appeals to me. Would I get to do that? What would be the challenges? What am I going to come up against? And really just take that moment to assess, um, does this feel right? Is it something I'm putting off thinking about? Is it something, or is it something I can't stop thinking about? I mean, listen, that's a good rule 
for anything, running for office, career changes. Is it a, if, you know, I had a friend who used to say, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And so, like, I mean, that's definitely true in my life. If I'm trying to, like, if I'm procrastinating it and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, that's usually a good sign. If I'm, like, picking up the phone and making it all happen right now, that means that's something that I really want to do. So, you know, if you're looking at running for office, talking to someone who's been there before in your particular community or if it's something you just can't stop thinking about that you feel like would be a really good expression of your skills and talent and perspective, then definitely go for it. Would you advise people to pursue any particular type of education on their journey to running for public office? I think you're going to nope. say no, but I want to make sure that we yeah. touch on this no. point. <laughs> no. I mean, I went. I had a political science degree from college and I went to law school. And I think it has been enormously helpful. My law degree in particular was helpful as a city commissioner because there's just a lot of people are intimidated by that and – you know, the the public meeting rules and Robert's Rules of Order and understanding sort of the roles of local communities, if you have that background, yeah, it's hugely helpful. But it's also a really expensive degree for a not particularly well-paid career path. So I do not in any way, shape, or form think it's required. It also seems to me, just as a voter, that wide array of experiences in public office is really helpful. And so I think one thing that we don't do very well as a culture is value our previous work experience in thinking about making a career change. I think we feel like if we're going to make a career change, it must necessitate additional education and training because it's hard to imagine repurposing all the skills that you already have. So anytime I talk to someone who's thinking about a change, I always say, like, let's think about your skills in the most abstract terms possible. Mm -hmm. Like, let's name what you've actually been doing. You probably haven't realized all of the things that you can do and have done and the ways that those could translate to different contexts. So that's, I think, the first thing. If you're thinking about a shift, whether it's toward public office or not, being very objective and very enthusiastic about naming what you've already done and how you've done it and what that says about your ability to function in different environments. And the other thing I'll add on the should I stay or should I go question, um, this is this is my advice that I have found works basically 100% of the time. If you are in disagreement with your company about their actions or their policies that is not a reason to leave because that will be true no matter where you are in your life. You will always have some disagreement with actions and policies. And you can do something about that. You can have conversations. You can advocate for different things. You can disagree and commit when that doesn't work out. You can, you can work through that. If you find yourself fundamentally not on board with the company's values or like there is a fundamental tension between what you value and what the company values, that is not going to work in the long term. There is no way to resolve that uh, because ultimately the people who own the business or the CEO or you know whoever is really setting the direction is going to set the direction from a place of those values and you are probably not going to influence what those values are. And so you're always going to be unhappy. You're always going to be fighting a new battle. The cumulative effect of that will wear on you in a way that is really detrimental to your mental health and probably your job performance, too. So you need to get out when you recognize that values friction. The timing of that can vary based on how much risk you're willing to take at a particular moment in your life. 
Uh, But that's your sign to make the decision to leave. And then when you execute on that decision depends on a whole variety of factors. We wish all of you making these decisions or thinking through these transitions clarity and empowerment and a lot of self-compassion because this sort of decision and this sort of transition can be really difficult. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. We will be back in your ears here next Wednesday between now and then on Pantsuit Politics. You can send your advice, questions, and commemorations to hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.